This is Everyday Light, a perfectly imperfect reading of the One Year Daily Bible. I'm Molly, a fellow pilgrim on the road to the kingdom, and it is a joy to have you traveling this journey with me, with the Word of God as a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. Welcome. This is the One Year Bible Reading for December 14th. We are reading the book of Jonah today, so let me give you that background. Nineveh was northeast. Tarshish was west. When God called Jonah to preach repentance to the wicked Ninevites, the prophet knew that God's mercy might follow. He turned down the assignment and headed for Tarshish instead. But once God had dampened his spirits by tossing him out of the boat and into the water, and demonstrated his protection by moving him out of the water and into the fish, Jonah realized God was serious about his command. Nineveh must hear the word of the Lord, and so Jonah goes. But though the preaching is a success, the preacher comes away angry and discouraged and must learn firsthand of God's compassion upon sinful men. The Lord gave this message to Jonah, son of Amittai. Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh. Announce my judgment against it, because I have seen how wicked its people are. But Jonah got up and went in the opposite direction in order to get away from the Lord. He went down to the seacoast, to the port of Joppa, where he found a ship leaving for Tarshish. He bought a ticket and went on board, hoping that by going away to the west, he could escape from the Lord. But as the ship was sailing along, suddenly the Lord flung a powerful wind over the sea, causing a violent storm that threatened to send them to the bottom. Fearing for their lives, the desperate sailors shouted to their gods for help and threw the cargo overboard to lighten the ship. And all this time, Jonah was sound asleep down in the hold. So the captain went down after him. How can you sleep at a time like this? He shouted, get up and pray to your God. Maybe he will have mercy on us and spare our lives. Then the crew cast lots to see which of them had offended the gods and had caused this terrible storm. When they did this, Jonah lost the toss. What have you done to bring this awful storm down on us? They demanded, who are you? What is your line of work? What country are you from? What is your nationality? And Jonah answered, I am a Hebrew, and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the land. And then he told them that he was running away from the Lord. The sailors were terrified when they heard this. Oh, why did you do it? They groaned. And since the storm was getting worse all the time, they asked him, what should we do to you to stop this storm? Throw me into the sea, Jonah said, and it will become calm again. For I know that this terrible storm is all my fault. Instead, the sailors tried even harder to row the boat ashore, but then that the stormy sea was too violent for them, and they couldn't make it. Then they cried out to the Lord, Jonah's God. O Lord, they pleaded, don't make us die for this man's sin, and don't hold us responsible for his death, because it isn't our fault. O Lord, you have sent this storm upon him for your own good reasons." Then the sailors picked Jonah up and threw him into the raging sea, and the storm stopped at once. The sailors were awestruck by the Lord's great power, and they offered him a sacrifice and vowed to serve him. 
Now, the Lord had arranged for a great fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was inside the fish for three days and three nights. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from inside the fish. He said, I cried out to the Lord in my great trouble, and he answered me. He called to you from the world of the dead, and Lord, you heard me. You threw me into the ocean depths, and I sank down into the heart of the sea. I was buried beneath your wild and stormy waves. Then I said, O Lord, you have driven me from your presence. How will I ever again see your holy temple? I sank beneath the waves and death was very near. The waters closed in around me and seaweed wrapped itself around my head. I sank down to the very roots of the mountains. I was locked out of life and imprisoned in the land of the dead. But you, O Lord, my God, have snatched me from the yawning jaws of death. When I had lost all hope, I turned my thoughts once more to the Lord, and my earnest prayer went out to you in your holy temple. Those who worship false gods turn their backs on all God's mercies. But I will offer sacrifices to you with my songs of praise, and I will fulfill all my vows. For my salvation comes from the Lord alone. Then the Lord direct ordered the fish to spit up Jonah on the beach, and it did. Then the Lord spoke to Jonah a second time, Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh and deliver the message of judgment I have given you. This time Jonah obeyed the Lord's command and went to Nineveh, a city so large that it took three days to see it all. On the day Jonah entered the city, he shouted to the crowds, Forty days from now, Nineveh will be destroyed. The people of Nineveh believed God's message, and from the greatest to the least, they decided to go without food and wear sackcloth to show their sorrow. I heard a great message preached on this once um, by one of my old pastors that was talking about that the Ninevites, one of their gods, was a fish god. And when Jonah came up out of the sea, whitened probably by the acid of this fish or this whale's belly that he was in, that that was one of the reasons that the people likely repented so quickly. Because one could say, why, why did they respond to this message? Um, so anyways, I haven't done my research to tell you any more about that, but I thought that was really cool. When the king of Nineveh heard what Jonah was saying, he stepped down from his throne and took off his royal robes. He dressed himself in sackcloth and sat on a heap of ashes. Then the king and his nobles sent this decree throughout the city. No one, not even the animals, may eat or drink anything at all. Everyone is required to wear sackcloth and pray earnestly to God. Everyone must turn from their evil ways and stop all their violence. Who can tell? Perhaps even yet God will have pity on us and hold back his fierce anger from destroying us. When God saw that they had put a stop to their evil ways and he had mercy on them and didn't carry out the destruction he had threatened. This change of plans upset Jonah and he became very angry. So he complained to the Lord about it. Didn't I say before I left home that you would do this, Lord? That is why I ran away to Tarshish. I knew that you were a gracious and compassionate God, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. I knew how easily you could cancel your plans for destroying these people. Just kill me now, Lord. I'd rather be dead than alive because nothing I predicted is going to happen. The Lord replied, Is it right for you to be angry about this? 
Then Jonah went out to the east side of the city and made a shelter to sit under, as he waited to see if anything would happen to the city. And the Lord God arranged for a leafy plant to grow there, and soon it spread its broad leaves over Jonah's head, shading him from the sun. This eased some of his discomfort, and Jonah was very grateful for the plant. But God also prepared a worm. The next morning at dawn, the worm ate through the stem of the plant so that it soon died and withered away. And as the sun grew hot, Jonas, uh, God sent a scorching east wind to blow on Jonah. The sun beat down on his head until he grew faint and wished to die. Death is certainly better than this, he exclaimed. Then God said to Jonah, Is it right for you to be angry because the plant died? Yes, Jonah retorted, even angry enough to die. Then the Lord said, You feel sorry about the plant though you did nothing to put it there. But a plant is only at best short-lived. But Nineveh has more than 120,000 people living in spiritual darkness, not to mention all the animals. Shouldn't I feel sorry for such a great city? Revelation chapter five. And I saw a scroll in the right hand of the one who is sitting on the throne. There was writing on the inside and the outside of the scroll, and it was sealed with seven seals. And I saw a strong angel who shouted with a loud voice, Who is worthy to break the seals on this scroll and unroll it? But no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll and read it. Then I wept because no one could be found who was worthy to open the scroll and read it. But one of the 24 elders said to me, Stop weeping. Look, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the heir to David's throne, has conquered. He is worthy to open the scroll and break its seven seals. I looked and I saw a lamb that had been killed, but was now standing between the throne and the four living beings and among the 24 elders. He had seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God that are sent out into every part of the earth. He stepped forward and took the scroll from the right hand of the one sitting on the throne. And as he took the scroll, the four living beings and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb. Each one had a harp and they held gold bowls filled with incense, the prayers of God's people. And they sang a new song with these words, you are worthy to take the scroll and break its seals and open it. For you were killed and your blood has ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have caused them to become God's kingdom and his priests and they will reign on the earth. Then I looked again and I heard the singing of thousands and millions of angels around the throne and the living beings and the elders. And they sang in a mighty chorus, the lamb is worthy, the lamb who was killed. He is worthy to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea. They also sang blessing and honor and glory and power belong to the one sitting on the throne and to the lamb forever and ever. And the four living beings said, Amen. And the 24 elders fell down and worshiped God and the Lamb. Psalm 133, a song, 
Psalm of Ascent. How wonderful it is, how pleasant, when brothers live together in harmony. For harmony is as precious as the fragrant anointing oil that was poured over Aaron's head, that ran down his beard and onto the border of his robe. Harmony is as refreshing as the dew from Mount Hermon that falls on the mountains of Zion. And the Lord has pronounced his blessing, even life forevermore. Proverbs 29, 26, and 27. Many seek the ruler's favor, but justice comes from the Lord. The godly despise the wicked. The wicked despise the godly. And to end today, a selection from The Greatest Gift by Anne Voskamp. The message of Christmas is that this world's a mess and we can never save ourselves from ourselves and we need a Messiah, for unto us a child is born. The light never comes how you expect it. It comes as the unlikely and unexpected, straight into Bethlehem unlikely, and the feed trough hopeless, and Christmas whispers there is always hope. It doesn't matter how dark the dark is, a light can still dawn. It doesn't matter if the world whispers, there's not a hint that help will come from elsewhere, telling us that nothing will ever improve, get better, change. God favors the darkest places so you can see his, bright, his light the brightest. And once the light of Christ shatters your dark, shadows forever flee your shadow lands. There's no going back and living in the dark. You live in the impenetrable, safe light of light, and Christmas never ends for you. Have a beautiful day. Love you all.